The Leaning In Leadership Podcast is presented to you by Olivet Nazarene University and Shine.fm. This is a place to lean in to good leadership practices through conversations with great leaders. Lean in and listen close as your host, Dr. Carlos Lonberger, discusses a wide variety of leadership topics to encourage, equip, and empower your leadership. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this month's episode of the Leaning In Leadership Podcast. I am Carlos Lonberger, your host. We are excited and glad to have you listening to this episode. If you do enjoy the content from this month's episode, would you please like and share wherever you consume and download your podcast content? For those of you who are just checking out the podcast for the first time, what we do here is have some great conversations with some pretty incredible leaders, and this month is no exception. We want to dig into some particular areas of leadership that may benefit you and where you are serving and where you're leading in your local context. This month, I have a pretty special guest with me. She is the director of our local county pregnancy resource center as a part of the Living Alternatives Organization, which is a faith-based nonprofit. She is a sought-after speaker and presenter, and she is a community leader. She is a mother of four boys, Camden, Colson, Caden, and Christian, and she just so happens to be my lovely bride. Kristen Lonberger is here, and you may think it's funny or odd or something that I'm having my wife as my guest for this month's episode, but I got to tell you, I have a master's in leadership and a doctorate in leadership, and I've read all these books that tell you what leaders are all really like and all about, and when I read those books, I don't see descriptions of leaders like me. I see descriptions of leaders like Kristen Lonberger. So, my dear, thank you. Welcome. Glad you're here. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here, and I hope I can share something of some use (laughs) to somebody. I'm sure you will. Well, we want to just dive into this month's topic. We're going to talk this time about how to work with volunteers. How do you, in a nonprofit in particular, deal with volunteers? Before we dive into that, give us a little background on your work, your pregnancy center, and what you do in the Kankakee County. I feel like that's a very loaded question, but I will do my best. So essentially, our Pregnancy Resource Center that is located on South Washington in Kankakee, we exist to support women who are facing unplanned pregnancies. We are there to walk a journey with them. We are there to love on them, um, give them a safe space to just speak, really just care for them. That's ultimately our goal. And we do that through a variety of options. We have a lot of different services. We have medical services that include pregnancy tests and ultrasounds. We have non-medical services, which includes mentoring and walking journeys with families, grieving with moms who have had loss of some kind. We provide material assistance, which is diapers and wipes and clothing and larger items, um, just a whole bunch of different things. But the most important thing and the thing that we really love is that we get to offer all of our services for free, every single one of them, and everything is confidential, and we take that very seriously as well. So that's, in a nutshell, kind of who we are and what we do. That's incredible. 
you do a lot of that with a staff, a small paid staff, and mostly a large volunteer team that looks very differently today than it did when you took over a little over two years ago. Can you unpack a little bit of how important your volunteer team is and how you got from where it was when you started at the center to where it is today? I can. So about the volunteers and the importance of of them to our work is really the fact that I say generally that about 80% of our work is completed through volunteers. That's so a lot. it is. It's a lot a lot. We rely heavily on them to do just about everything from cleaning to meeting with clients and doing appointments to helping us do fundraising to helping us run community events to answering phones to bundling diapers or whatever it may be. A little Um, bit of everything. A little bit of everything for sure. I would say that the difference and and the growth and the change and how things were when I started and how things are today all has to do with a lesson that God needed to teach me in humility. Those of you that know me and those of you that don't know me may have heard about me that I love to drive things forward. I sometimes accidentally do it at the cost of the people around me. I love to produce. I love to push things forward. I love to make things happen. And I am always casting a vision, looking to move forward. So of course, when I started, I looked around me and thought, oh, we need more people. So I'm going to get more people. I need more volunteers. I can't hire them, so I need to find them to work for free. So my first thought was I'll recruit them. That became my first agenda. And as I looked around and thought about the friends that I have, the people that I know, I started to reach out and go, oh, hey, you'd be really great because X, Y, Z. And oh, you'd be amazing because all of that was true. They would have been. But as I talked to them and I sought them out, I was struggling. Um, I wasn't getting anywhere. It wasn't the right time for them. It wasn't the fit. They didn't have a heart for what I was doing and what I was talking about. So I just, I felt a little defeated and I had to take a step back and I started praying about it. And I really kind of felt like the Lord was like, okay, it's about time. You sat back and waited on me. He really just started to teach me how to pray for the right people. It wasn't about finding the right person that I thought could do the job that I had in mind. It was about praying for the Lord to lay it on somebody's heart and for them to respond and then for us to figure out how he had equipped them and how it was going to meet a need that we had. Once I started praying that way, everything changed for me. Everything changed for our center. It was incredible. There's one story that particularly comes to mind of a volunteer. When I sat down to interview her and we started talking, I started asking her what put this on her heart and why she started seeking out a place to volunteer, especially a pregnancy resource center. And she started to describe to me a timeline of how the Lord started to tell her something and draw her to something and started to give her indication that, you know, possibly it was getting close to time to retire and how the Lord just laid really all of what we do at the Pregnancy Resource Center on her heart and how she was to get involved in it and really started to propel her forward. And as we talked through that timeline, I was able to reflect back and realize that that was all at the very same time the Lord taught me humility and how to pray. And it was just amazing to to see that unfold. It took a couple months and now I would 
love to brag on her. She now completely runs our boutique and I, we would not be where we are without her. And just to think back of how the Lord brought her to us. And she is not the only person. There has been countless people that within days of changing, changing the way that we prayed, people walked in and just said, the Lord has laid it on my heart to serve here. How can I serve? How can I volunteer? What can I do? And I have to tell you, it's really, really humbling to see the Lord provide in ways like that. And it's really a bit of a gut check when you've been trying to hustle and do things your way to see him just provide when you really let it go. That is a big lesson, I think, especially for church leaders, nonprofits, but even business leaders to who live their faith in their office setting, in their in their business, in their organization, wherever it may be. That sometimes as leaders, we come in, especially ones like you, <laughs> who are agents of change and vision and drive, right? They come in going, I've got to find the right people. I've got to make this happen. But if we're to let our faith lead first, we need to take a step back and seek first the kingdom, right? And seek first what God would have us to do. So you changed fundamentally how you approached going after, better yet, receiving uh, (laughs) volunteers. How is your volunteer team different today than it was two and a half years ago. How many volunteers do you work with on a regular basis through the center? And how do you keep them motivated to buy in when you don't have a paycheck to hang over their head? (laughs) That's fair. I feel like that was like five questions. It was. All at once. Hold on. What was number one? Let's, (laughs) no. (laughs) Difference wise, it's just, it's a lot bigger of a team. It really is. I'd have to stop and really count. It was a handful, a small handful of volunteers that we had before when I started. And now we're over 30 on a regular basis that are serving and giving up their time and leading programs and meeting with clients and et cetera, which is the biggest blessing because it allows us to continue to move forward in every capacity. We can continue to grow awareness and we can continue to do things when our volunteers are so strong, understand the mission so clearly. As far as how to help them buy in, there's so many components to all of this. It's really hard to just nail it down and do a few things, but some of it is expectations on the front end. It is really important for you to explain to volunteers on the front end what you need from them and then respect that. On that same right, I mean, and I learned this the hard way. It's not, I'm not perfect. And sometimes I still misstep. I'm sure some of my existing volunteers will tell you. But it's not about what I need and you're a live body that I'm going to have you do what I need. It's Mm -hmm. about, okay, um, I have a ton of needs. And when I have somebody come in, just I love the heart of somebody that says, I will do whatever, just tell me where to serve. That is the most amazing gift. And I love that. And that's truly a servant's heart. But it's really important, I have found for myself and as a leader, to stop and go, thank you for your willingness to serve. But can I hear your heart? Can Mm -hmm. I know what motivates you? And can you share with me the gifts that you truly believe God has blessed you with? Otherwise, we're going to burn out a volunteer. They're going to have a hard time buying in. They might be happy to serve because they believe in the mission. But if you're not using them within their wheelhouse, if you're not allowing them to serve the Lord with the gifts that he has given, they're not going to be able to continue to move down that path with excitement. So it's really, really important that you you figure that out with your volunteers and find a way to help them to serve. And it's not easy. I can promise you that. It's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of um, like, hey, can you do this for a little bit? And can we keep trying to figure this out? It's shifting people. Mm -hmm. It's being willing to reinvent and have conversations. I think of one volunteer that was there when I started and um, amazing. She was, she was so, so great. And she served in one capacity, which she did a great job with and she liked it just fine. 
the more I got to know her and the more I got to hear her heart, I realized she's not using her gifts in the way that she wants to and the way that she really feels called and, and with a way that she is, it's life-giving for her. And as we troubleshooted and, and played around, it took us, I think, a year and a half almost to really figure out what was a good fit. Yeah. And now she's doing something that she has taken a whole section that's crucial to our numbers and our data and stuff like that. And she completely single-handedly does it and she loves it. And it's the greatest gift and she's phenomenal at it. But it took a while. It, took a, it took a long time and it took a lot of training and investment on the front end. You mentioned both laying out the expectations on the front end, mm -hmm. but also an interview process, yeah. which I, I think sometimes we miss with volunteers. We often leave them out of the loop just because we don't pay them. Like we don't keep them in, as a part of the communications loop and we don't always give them the full picture because, well, they won't care. They're just, you know, volunteering for this particular thing or that. But in order for them to really buy in for their part, even if it is volunteer, they have to have a vision and have an understanding of the bigger picture, right? Oh, for sure. I think that's one of the most difficult things that I struggled to figure out how to relay. Because if we have an incredible story of impact that takes place on one day, it's only the people that were involved in that situation that even know that story. Yeah. And anyone else volunteering that day, there's a good chance they'll hear about it, but not all of it. And then everybody on any other day, they're not going to have a clue. Yeah. We routinely share stories. But one of the things, and I truly believe that this is just an idea that God gave me because I'm not creative enough to come up with it. Um, but he, I would disagree with that, but I would well, also you. understand God's inspiration for sure. As I was praying one morning and just meditating on a couple different things, the Lord just brought to mind that mental image of his people in the Old Testament building altars and the reason for why they built the altars. Yeah. So as they were traveling throughout the lands, they would be able to see those altars and know mm -hmm. and be able to account the stories and to pass them on from generation to generation and the importance of that. Yeah. So out of that came a board that is in one of our workrooms, and it's a space that mostly volunteers work out of. And at the top, it's just got a title that it just is Stories of God's Goodness. I paired a verse from Psalms about meditating on God's goodness to us and his mighty deeds. As a team, we're not always great about it, but we try. Um, we try to write down stories and God's provision, and we just post them on the board. That's great. Not everybody stops to read it every day or every week. <laughs> we don't get all the stories <laughs> up there. We are building our altar for this year. We built an altar last year and just stories of God's goodness. And then when we took them all down, we put them in a file and we're doing the same thing for 2020. So we want to remember all of those stories of God's goodness, especially in those moments that we forget, or especially yeah. in those moments that things are hard or difficult, or we're not seeing, we're not seeing progress or not seeing those moments of joy as often. Being able to tell the story and share that narrative with folks really helps them buy into the greater work that they're a part of. You mentioned expectations, laying out the expectations on the front end for your volunteers. A lot of times the school of thought uh, or the old school of thought was don't expect too much from your volunteers. <laughs> They've got other lives and they're donating their time. And, you know, maybe an hour or two a week max is the most that you can expect. But if the last 17 plus years of my life with you has taught me nothing else, it is that you are... <laughs> a person of high expectations, right? <laughs> I'm so sorry to everybody that works with me. <laughs> but it's a great thing because you pull other people up beyond what they ever expected that they would be able to do on their own. 
So tell me a little bit about what you expect of your volunteers. Everything, I mean, anything from simply showing up to handling the money, those are some pretty important responsibilities. How do you lay out those expectations and hold your volunteers accountable to them? A lot of that goes back to that interview process. That's really important. And not only do we have an interview process, but we also have a volunteer application that's no slouch. It's a process. And I let people know from the front end, I believe in the work that we do. I believe in the care and the quality of our work. And that has to matter to all of us. And it and I let them know how difficult it can be. I'm very honest. But then I ask too on the front end, how much do you feel like you're willing to give? How much, what are you thinking? Because it's not fair for me to say, well, I need you at least four hours a week. Otherwise, I'm not going to take you. Yeah. But I don't have a problem saying, hey, if you want to serve and, and train in client services, I do need you here for at least a four-hour stretch on a regular basis because there's a whole training process and I'm not going to throw you in because that's not good for you, it's not good for the client, and it's not good for us as an organization. So I need something from you. Right. If that's not something you can give, totally fine. Then that's not the right fit for you at the moment. What else are your gifts and how else can you serve? So I just kind of do a lot of that troubleshooting, set those expectations up front, but also let them know we depend on you. I'm very honest about the fact that, hey, you're 80% of my workforce. I need <laughs> you. I depend on you. And with that comes, if you can't be there for what you've committed to for your shift, I totally understand that life happens, but I need a good amount of notice. And here's, and we have a protocol with how to inform, how to handle things, and, and even how our scheduling works. We have a whole process set into place. It's not this willy nilly, like, come in when you want, come in, sure, I'll take you whatever. No, it's, uh, we have a schedule. You go on the schedule. Yeah. If you're on there, we're expecting you to be there. And I get it, you know, people run late, but it's amazing. Now, I, one of my most favorite things, the thing, it, it's so silly, but I hold it near and dear to my heart. The majority of our volunteers, I have heard them use the language that they work at the Pregnancy Resource Center. <laughs> and I love that because it's that little word. It's not I volunteer at the Pregnancy Resource Center. I give of my time. Literally, they work for us, but they're right. proud to work for us for free. Ownership right there, it right? It is. Like yeah. that is what you want out of a volunteer. Yep, I work there. And that just, every time I hear it, it warms my heart and I just like, oh, I absolutely love it because it is, it's that ownership that people really take on. But if someone is struggling to meet expectations or if they're not following through, I don't have a problem in going and have a conversation and I'm not going to go and say, Hey, you, you know, three times in a row, you showed up late for your shift. <laughs> like it's not that kind of a conversation. It's, Hey, I've noticed this and I'm concerned because legitimately I'm concerned. Is this too much for you right now? Is something else yeah. going on that I'm missing? Do we need to take a step back? And if that's the case, that's okay. Right. But this is what we need right now. And if it's not what you can give, that is okay. And I want to respect that. But we need to have this open dialogue. It's about honest communication. It's not about beating around the bush. It's not about playing games. It's still keeping that expectation there and just wanting to have a conversation about it. And you know, sometimes we shy away from those commitment conversations with volunteers when really they're probably sitting there wondering and waiting to hear from you what you need from them yeah. right? and where they could plug in and where they could be a part. I think sometimes that idea that you can't expect much out of volunteers leads to a self-fulfilling prophecy of you don't get much out of volunteers, but the high expectations and the high level of involvement 
equals high level of commitment from those folks who are giving of their time for free. Of course. One of the things that, that is a part of that, I believe, and something that I do also believe has transformed that ownership piece, yeah. is we have found jobs, like legitimate jobs, that we need people to take over. Mm. And instead of this ambiguous come in and kind of hang out and do stuff, which we still have people do that, and like come in and just answer, you know, the phones or whatever. But we also have tried to break down in little bitty tasks that are attainable in an hour to a week or whatever it is. And we have given, we have thoroughly trained, thoroughly equipped one person to take on that entire thing. So when they come in, they know exactly what they're doing. Mm. They go and they do their thing and they get it done and they get to give their part without coming in going, okay, what can I do? Is there anything that you have for me? Now what? I did that one little, right. you know, I put away the post-its. Now what? <laughs> if it's possible within your organization when working with volunteers, that's been a really transformative piece for our team. At least, I don't know if our volunteers see it, but all of our staff really feels that. And that makes sense. I mean, that makes sense for paid staff as well. You know, being able to come in and know what's expected of them and what their responsibilities are and what they're to be accomplishing that day or over the course of the week is critical to them performing well and doing what needs to get done to move the organization forward. You have spoken in my master's leadership class that I teach, and you've shared a couple of times some neat and fun ways that you actually care for your volunteer staff. Do you have a couple of those stories that you could share? One of the, well, we start with actually whenever anybody fills out a volunteer application, even if they don't fully engage, I always get some info on them. I have everybody fill out a sheet that says like your favorites or something like that and just gather a ton of information about who they are and what they like from, you know, favorite movies to books to scents to flowers to snacks to <laughs> anything, Bible verse, color, anything. Um, I'll take a Starbucks Americano with pumpkin spice, please. I know that already. Okay. That helps us really have a really good idea of who our people are, what they love. So when it comes time for birthdays or just if we want to give a special thank you, we have that sheet to refer back to if we need just kind of a brainstorming moment. But we also take time to notice our volunteers, to watch their habits. Like there's one volunteer that I love, and she's been a part of the ministry for an incredibly long time. And one of the things I noticed once that she almost always came in for her shift to volunteer with an iced tea from McDonald's. McDonald's. So I could totally go get her the normal like Dunkin' Donuts Starbucks gift card or whatever that we have lying around. But one of I I just I watched and I noticed that that was just something that she always did and it seemed to be a treat. And so when I wanted to just love on her in a way, I got her a McDonald's gift card and just told her, you know, your next couple iced teas are on me. And little things like that, just taking the time to notice. I can't be a part of every single volunteer and every single thing that's happening in their lives. Um, they're a community within themselves, and it's so beautiful to watch and to listen to. So I, I can't stay on top of everything and everybody, but I can look for those ways and listen for those ways to really love on them and care for them that lets them know that I'm paying attention, that I care I've been watching. I've been listening. It's not just something you wrote down, but I see you. Yeah, and that's really truthfully what people are looking for, right? To know and be known. So it's really incredible that you have been able to build that community. When I truthfully know you, hopefully better than anyone else, 
that yep. that's a bit of work for you, it is. right? You know, but you care and you lead people in a way that inspires passionate following. And that's ultimately what we are looking to be as good leaders. Um, and so I just want to say thanks for taking the time out of your evening to sit down and have a conversation with your husband about <laughs> how amazing you are as a leader. But I really do love you and I'm super proud of everything you're doing at the Pregnancy Center. It's really incredible to get to watch you in action. So you have your annual banquet coming up just next month, this coming October, and this is your major fundraiser for the year and really supports the work that you do at the center. Tell us a little bit about the details of that, how someone listening might be interested in giving and supporting the work of the Pregnancy Center uh, through Living Alternatives, and just kind of the details of your banquet coming up next month. Thanks. So the event itself has taken multiple twists and turns in the midst of COVID. I um, believe pivot is the word yes, of the season, right? Yes, pivot is the right? proper word, right. the nice way of saying it. We pivoted multiple times, <laughs> but we have actually just due to recent mitigations and all of that good stuff and multiple other things, we have taken our annual banquet to a virtual event, which I'm actually super excited about. I cannot truly express, I think it has the ability to be even more special than live. I know that sounds weird, but we're going to be able to bring in unique components and just kind of weave them throughout. Our speaker has already shared. She's still going to be a part. We get to actually virtually meet her son. Um, She's got a beautiful story of how an unplanned pregnancy from an attack has led to just a beautiful opportunity of healing and redemption. And it's just incredible. Her name is Jennifer Christie, the most incredible heart, the most authentic person. Um, She's just, she's absolutely beautiful. I've loved getting to know her and I can't wait for you guys to meet her as well, virtually of course. And we're going to have some clients share and and I get to share some updates, which will be beautiful. And we're actually celebrating our 35th anniversary as an organization, our our larger organization, Living Alternatives. There's so many things to celebrate, but the event itself is going to take place October 1st at 6.30. There's of course going to be an opportunity. The way we do things is that you register and you can actually do that by going to www www.k3prcevents.org and you can register for the event and by registering there's a couple different ways to get involved you can watch independently at home you can host a watch party in your home with a few close friends that you're comfortable with or there's going to be churches that are hosting watch parties which is a really incredible thing for our churches to be partnering and it's going to be about an hour long Um, if you register you'll get an experience box that comes with a treat in there and a little gift and just a really neat thing to just still make it a really great event to attend and be a part of. And then we also do depend on the generosity of our community. As I said earlier, our all of our stuff is free, but we're completely privately funded. So we are so blessed um, to be in this community and to lean on all of our, our amazing donors. But like Carlos said, this is one of our um, largest fundraisers. So we're just seeking support with that. But if you're wanting to get involved um, or even know more information, I would encourage you to do one of two things. One, go to our website at pregnancycenter.org. But honestly, I would say give us a call or just stop by. I would love to give you a tour of the center. I always would rather have somebody really know what they're giving to and really know our heart before they just give. It's the financial gift is amazing and it, it is a blessing to us, but 
I really, you need to come in. You need to see and hear what God is doing and really understand uh, what our ministry is about. And you don't quite fully understand it until you've walked through. I've had the privilege of, even in the past couple months, giving longtime supporters a tour. And some of them have just said, wow. Like I've been supporting for years. I've believed in the mission for years, but I did not fully understand all that you did, how you do it or the value of it. So really get involved in that way before you open your checkbook. I really believe you should. (laughs) Um, I would love to meet you and, and give you that opportunity as well. That's great. So a couple of those informational items again, the banquet is October 1st. Right. At 6.30. Yep. It'll happen virtually. Correct. Um, and you can participate in that by going to k3prcevents.org. Correct. But in general, if you want some information about living alternatives as an organization, you can go to pregnancyresourcecenter.org. Check out that information. See if there is a spot for you to be a part of what is happening in the Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Centers uh, around the Midwest. Again, my bride, thank you for taking the time to talk about how you've worked with your volunteers over the last couple of years. I really appreciate the insight. My pleasure. They are the best volunteers that anyone can ever find and don't take them away from me. <laughs> they are yours, huh? Yes, they are. And I love them all dearly. Again... Thank you for checking in to the Leaning In Leadership Podcast episode this month. I am Carlos Lonberger, your host. If you enjoyed this content and would like to support us, I would really appreciate it if you would just like and share and comment on this episode wherever you consume your podcast content. Just a preview for next month. I am really, really excited about my guest for next month. I will have Dr. Amber Residori. Dr. Amber Residori is faculty and colleague member of mine at Olivet Nazarene University. And we're going to discuss some of the strengths and challenges that face women in leadership. Some of the unique opportunities that are there in that context as well. So check that episode out next month. But this time, thank you for joining us. And remember, whenever you are a leader, you're not just in a people business. Your business is people. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leaning In Leadership Podcast from Olivet Nazarene University and Shine.fm. If you enjoy this episode, please comment on it, rate it, and share it wherever you stream your content. You can follow Leaning In Leadership on social media and watch for upcoming episodes released the first Thursday of every month.